one day when I was complaining uh, pretty openly about being passed over and gave me some really poignant advice that's always kind of stuck with me and has been, I think, something that shaped me was, and it's so simple, but decide the person that you want to be and go be that. Because if if all you're trying to do is be all things to all people, then, then you're not going to be anything for anyone. Welcome to the People People Podcast. We're on a mission to spread human connection. Welcome to the People People Podcast. This is Matt Matson, your host. Excited about this episode. I've got my friend Alex Taylor. He's a Southern boy. I'm going to interview him about the idea of being from the South, the idea of human connection in the South, how Southern charm might help or hurt human connection. We'll get into that here in a minute because I first want to talk to you. I know you're out there, right? Like I know you're trying hard. If, if you're listening to this podcast, there's a good chance that you're somebody who believes in the power of human connection. There's a good chance that you get that the way that we choose to fill the space between us and other human beings might be the one way that we have control over who we are and the legacy we leave in the world. I've said before that we matter to and through the people that we connect with in the world. Like that's how we matter to the world. And I want to matter. I want to matter. I don't want to be average. I want to matter. This social excellence stuff that we teach is about that simple idea of the way you choose to fill the space between you and other people. Do you choose to fill it with average, mediocre, surface level stuff? Or do you choose to fill it with excellence, with curiosity, generosity, authenticity, vulnerability, with boldness, with passion, by being alive, by being fully there and present with the people in your life? I hope so. I hope so. I think that's what social excellence is about. So let's get to this interview, this episode. So excited about it. So I grew up in Michigan. I live in Colorado now. I'm talking to my friend Alex, who grew up in Alabama and lives in Virginia now. He and I happen to work together. We know a lot about each other. We do the same work. We have a lot in common, actually. But where we're from is such a strong piece of who we think we are that we thought we'd explore that together. So enjoy the interview. Again, Alex Taylor. Uh, You can find them on the internet, on social media, at Alex Taylor Sigma Nu. At Alex T. Sigma Nu, actually, I think. Listen to the episode. You'll you'll find him at the end. But man, I'm so grateful for Alex digging into this with me and really just having fun with the conversation. Enjoy the interview. Here's Alex Taylor. Welcome to the People People Podcast. This is your host, Matt Matz, and I'm with our special guest this week, Alex Taylor. So Alex is a buddy of mine. We work together at Fired Up. So in, in my other work at Fired Up Productions, Alex and I work together. But Alex and I have been talking about doing this podcast episode for a while. We're just finally getting around to recording it. But we've been talking about it as, let's just talk about the South. See, Alex is a Southern boy. Born and raised in Alabama, lives in Richmond, Virginia right now. Alex, will you tell us where are you from? Now, before you before do, let me just say, like, I make fun of that question, right? Like when we teach social excellence, we always make fun of the, the cliche question that people ask. The number one question people ask is, where are you from? Well, maybe there's a reason for that. Alex, where are you from? Well, Matt, hi, y'all. This is Alex. I am from a small little cross-section of two roads in Elmore County called Fleahop, Alabama. Fleahop. 
if you want a, a real, I guess, incorporated town, you can Google eclectic Alabama. It, yes, it's spelled like eclectic, the word to describe different or unique, but because of Alabama, we say eclectic. So I don't know why. I don't have any explanation to you other than that's just the way that we say it. You just named Flea Hop and Eclectic as two real live places in the world that I would guess most human beings have never been to. Most likely not. The only the only reason you might have ever visited there if you grew up anywhere near Alabama is there's a large uh, recreational lake called Lake Martin. And also near Lake Martin is a town called Kalaja. <laughs> It, yeah, that's that's actually true. Hank Williams featured it in a song um, affectionately known as Kalija. So we uh, have started off now with three totally random names, and people are going to be on Google Maps trying to book their next vacation to Lake Martin, maybe. They sound like nice places. They sound like nice places. Hank Williams, are you related to Hank Williams? No, not at all. Huh. I assumed, I assumed you might be. Let's talk about the South. I mean, you're, you're, you're a Southern guy. You, you just named some places that are, that are in the, the Deep South. Is that the Deep South? I would say that's in the Deep South. We're not quite in L.A., mm-hmm. lower Alabama. Mm-hmm. We're in uh, kind of the central, central part. It's, I think, at least where I grew up, so many people really identified with, with where they were from. And there's so much uh, personal identity that's tied to location. And, and, I think sometimes I, I have the same feeling as you when I ask people where they're from. It feels like such a surface level question. But I think at least in the Deep South, especially people tie that personal identity to where they're from. And from there, it starts their story. And you, you hear you know people that are from places like Eclectic or places like Wetumpka, or you get even more crazy in Alabama, and you have to describe, oh, I'm from Eclectic, and our, our closest big town is Montgomery or what have you. And from there, it's like when you meet somebody from a, a big city. I know, Matt, you're you know, outside of Denver, and so when people ask where you're from, you say Denver, yep. right? But then if they're from there, it gets really specific. Really, Oh, I'm from Littleton, or I'm actually from here. And then it kind of goes down the rabbit hole from there. And same thing holds true especially in places like Alabama where folks just, they're proud of, of where they're from and it's just kind of a central part of who they are. And you can tell a lot about a person sometimes just based on, based on that. Or wrongfully, you can sometimes make some assumption about uh, who somebody is based on where they're from too. Yeah. And I think we could probably explore that particularly with you know me being not from the South and you being from the South. And I think there are certainly some, uh, some stereotypes that are, that are obviously thrown on Southerners without getting too cliche. But before we even go there, like maybe many people start their identity building with where they're from, right? Maybe that's why that's the first question we ask. I also had this thought that like the first, the the reason we ask where you're from might be, might be because, you know, we connect with things that are comfortable and we reject things that are different. And that's like this easy shortcut to find out if I can be comfortable around you. If we, if we got the same stuff going on in our background as a guy from Michigan, right? Like I, I can absolutely do that. Somebody says they're from Michigan. Like I'm like almost like physically my, my shoulders go down. I get comfortable. I'm like, Oh, you're, you're one of my people, right? That's where I grew up. I, I, I know what you're like. Is it the same for people in the South? Like why, why, but I got to believe that in the South in particular, Alabama in particular, like, man, I, I feel like that's tenfold, right? Like people start their identity with, I am a Southern boy. Like, is, is that real or not? 
I think it's it's a thousand percent real. And and you see it, I mean, almost in the uh, one of the other things I'm sure we'll get to as we talk about Southern culture is uh, football. And like one of the things, the moment you meet somebody from Alabama, a lot of times it's where are you from? And then as conversation goes from there, it, it shifts to Auburn or Alabama. Who's your team? So I'll go ahead and answer that for everybody. Roll Tide. But my my grandmother, if she knows what a podcast is or how to listen to it, will cringe when I say that. So I, I just think so much of it, again, same reaction. You just feel, I know exactly what I'm going to get from this person. And and sometimes I think when people that travel, you find yourself out there, It's sometimes it's easy to connect things that are central to you. Even in different cultures, you can almost find those similar connection points, even from different areas. Talking about folks from Michigan, I've one of my first jobs out of school was traveling for my fraternity. And I met a number of guys from different fraternity chapters in Ohio and Michigan. And, and I can't tell you how similar our our you know values, for lack of a better term, were despite growing up in in two totally different areas of the country, and it's you know for as different as ge- geography can make somebody's upbringing, a lot of it the opposite is more true. Where you find that you're going to have a lot more in common than you do differences. Yeah, for me, like I wonder what it, what is the what is the real stuff that makes us, it's not just the name of the state, right? Like there's something else you were talking about. Like when you, when you travel someplace, uh, you and I both get to travel a lot. When we travel places, like there are, there are people that just seem to be oozing the same like stuff as, as us, right? Like, like the same values, the same principles, the same, I don't know. They just, they, they approach life in the same way. And that's, that's good because it makes us feel comfortable. But of course, those are also the people we gravitate toward. And so we, we don't learn much more because we only gravitate toward those people. But I also think about like, sorry to ramble for a second, but so Michigan people, like maybe the reason Southerners connect with Michigan people is because a whole lot of Michigan people are actually Southerners, right? Or at least they're, right. they move to the North, they move to Michigan because that's where jobs were, you know, post-Civil War, right? Uh, Reconstruction, you know, they're, they're getting out of the South and that's where many of the workers, you know, Henry Ford figures out a way to create a whole bunch of jobs. And where did all those people come from? They came directly from the South. My, my family, Alex, I don't know if I've ever told you, my family came to, came to Michigan on a covered wagon that my grandfather and his sisters uh, rode on, you know, and they came here because they came to Michigan because there were jobs there and they came directly from Kentucky. That's where my, fo- my, my family, my, yeah. my roots are from. And I, I don't think about that often, but, you know, there's a, there is a real connection there. Yeah, it's it's so much of how history is tied into the flow of people around a country, and and sometimes that firm sense and and almost pride in in geography, it is not really rooted in anything other than about a generation's worth of of people. Yeah, <laughs> you know, because you could you could very easily claim Kentucky if you want and become a, a you know a yeah. bourbon drinking guy and put on an accent if that's if that's really what you wanted to do. So yeah, it's that's. That's such a funny thing about about identity, you know, for me, even living in Virginia now versus Alabama, so much of my family, I don't know if they would even classify Virginia as mm-hmm. the South. Yeah. But yet, just just right here in Richmond, we're dealing with a lot of the same issues that other Southern cities in 2018 are dealing with. Issues around monuments, issues around racial injustice, issues around uh, gentrification, and just all of these things that that you see other major Southern cities grappling with, so so is Richmond. And I would even venture to say that 
that's not just cities in the South. That's cities, you know, in the Midwest, that's cities all over the country that are kind of grappling with that. So again, for as much as we tie identity to geography, it's really, I think, ultimately rooted in, you know, in the people. Yeah. Um, so I, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a strange onion once you start to peel back the layers. So what do we get right? I mean, what's, so you're right that, you know, I think there's probably a lot placed on quote unquote, the South that, uh, that we say, oh, that's, that's a Southern problem, right? You and I were in Birmingham not too long ago and uh, we were at the Civil Rights Institute in Birmingham and, and we were, we were actually talking about that together. We were talking about like, oh, this, we, it's so easy to point to the civil rights movement and for that matter, the current civil rights movement and the fight for justice as a Southern problem. That, that's just like easier to do for people not from the South. But of course, it's not a Southern problem, like not even close. And so my question becomes, get out of that for a second. What do we get right about the things that non-Southern people think about the South? What is true? Oh, man, I think you get a lot. There's a lot of stuff about the food mm. that folks get right. Like I, that again, so, so surface level, but so much truth in, in the idea of how much food is a connector in the South across any division that you could want to put. Food seems to be the, the one thing that everybody can agree on. And again, different variations for different, even parts of the South. But I just think Everything, maybe even stereotypically, that you think about the food, but then also in the last probably 20 years, there's been a real food revival in the South, uh, whether that be in cities like Nashville that have seen kind of this this rise, um, maybe even places like Atlanta. The last 15 years, you've seen cities like Charleston come back on the map just from this idea of like food tourism to a degree. And so I think, you know, food has just always been this common bond that people in the South have. And the food's good. The food is food is comfort. Food is family. And for so many people in the South, every good event, every good memory that they maybe even have is tied to food in some shape, form or fashion. I just think there's so much of that that people get right. And I mean, there's tons of pe people that blog about it or Instagram about it. I and mean, you can, you can find all of that. And then some in the South and it's just kind of the, the best unkept secret about growing up in that part of the world. Yeah. I, I love that you started that with food as a connector, right? Like, like this isn't a food podcast, but I think it's, it's pretty easy to make the argument that so many of life's best connections are made either over a meal or over the preparation of a meal. That's, I almost get this picture in my head of, uh, you know, uh, I don't know, a Southern grandma preparing dinner and all the hubbub going on in the kitchen and all the people around it. And like, that is such a picture of family to me. That is such a picture of what real human connection looks like. Sort of the, the unsaid stuff that happens during the preparation of a meal or during the sharing of a meal. Anyway, that's a, that's, that's actually, a, that's a powerful insight for me is just how, how food is a connector and in the South, how, you know, from my perspective, food is such a central part of the identity of being a Southerner. Yeah. That's more than food, right? That's more than we eat right. fried food. That's about, we come together and we stick together and we come together often and, and, you know, Sunday supper matters and, uh, and, and all of those things. Am I getting that right? 
I agree. And it's like food is kind of tied to tradition. And if there's one thing Southern people like more than food, it's, it's tradition. Yeah. It's the ability to, to almost kind of be able to predict and know with a fair degree of certainty what's going to happen and when it's going to happen. You know, for me, food is, food's my love language. I, and I say that jokingly and also seriously, like being able to cook for somebody or take care of somebody. That's just something that's so central. I watched my, you know, my mother do it, my grandmother do it, all the folks in our family. That was just, uh, again, you, you hit the nail on the head of just the imagery that comes along with that. And for so many people in the South, food is tied to tradition. And you know, I think, again, that's another thing that folks get right about the South is this this idea of tradition, rightly and wrongly, being able to to let go of things because that is so central to the identity of folks. And again, I, I'm saying this through the lens of a white Southern guy that grew up in Alabama, so that comes with a certain set of uh, experiences. And you know, but the the traditions, everything from you know, you block out Saturday afternoon for college football, you block out Sunday morning for church, and it, just the the predictability of that. People like that. And at times people come to the South and wonder why things move slow. And it's because it's purposeful and it's things are, they got things like they like it. And to change that is really tough. And so I think the tradition piece ties, ties into the, the core underpinnings of the, the American South as well. Does it help you, hurt you, hinder you? I mean, do you lead conversations with, Hey, I'm Alex. I'm from the South. Do you know what I mean? Like, like, is that, is that a helpful part of your identity? <laughs> I gotta believe, I gotta believe not in all cases it is right. Like I'm, I'm curious if, if that's been, has that been something that you've chosen to hang on to despite its flaws or, or because of its, because of what it gives you? Yeah, man. Welcome to the therapist couch. Yeah. So for those that are, I guess, listening that have known me my entire life, this might be an insight into times where maybe you didn't know me as well. And for those of you that have met me recently, you're, you're getting the, the full look. So for everybody, this is, I think, unashamedly Alex Taylor here. But I, I think as far back as I can remember, I've always struggled with, with my identity to a degree. And what I mean by that is I always had a, I don't know if it was a natural ability or inclination to be able to, to want to kind of fit in with any crowd. And one of the things I can, I can remember, my mom, uh, bless her, was always on top of me about pronouncing my words, talking correctly, I guess might be the thing. And so when people, when people meet me, it's like, oh, well, you don't have a Southern accent. I will let slip some colloquialisms here and there for sure. But I, for the most part, I, I think I, to answer your question, I, I carry that with me because it's such a core part of what made me the the person that I am. And so I think I I embrace what it means to be a person from the South and now living in a, a more northern southern city. I embrace that identity warts and all for both the good things and the bad things that come with that. But it sounds like maybe you didn't always. It sounds like maybe like you were trying to talk talk right. You know what I mean? Like like Yeah. Talk less Southern. Is that right? Uh, to a degree, I, again, I think a, a lot of it's probably rooted in some real insecurity. So again, welcome back to the therapist couch. And for me, one of the more influential moments in my in my life, I had a, a friend of mine, his name's Tim, 
I might send him this podcast and let him know what's that up, he Tim? was in this. But he, yeah, what's up, Tim? How are you doing, buddy? Haven't talked to you in years. When I was a undergraduate at Huntington College, Hawkham. Huntington, man, that's a place. I've been there. What a nice place. It's quite an interesting spot. Did you say Hawkham? Is, is that what you said? Hawkham. Is that what you say there? H-A-W-K-E-M, Hawkham. Hawkham. Where the, Hunting, the, the Huntington Hawks. So, I mean, you can't be a school in Alabama and not have a war cry, right? Like Auburn has War Eagle. You know, Alabama's got Roll Tide. And so Huntington had to have something. And, yeah. and Hawkham be- became our thing. And everybody's intimidated by the thousand students at, at Huntington going Hawkham, right? Like that's a... Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Sorry. Be- beware. <laughs> So when I was an undergraduate, I was involved as a student leader in a few things and uh, was actually passed over for a position that I, I thought I really deserved. And, uh, and Tim, who had recently graduated but was still working at the school, had been a, kind of a mentor to me when I was younger. And I think I would kind of pulled away because, you know, he's a young professional and it was like, what's Tim even doing, right? And Tim kind of pulled me aside uh, one day when I was complaining pretty openly about being passed over. And it gave me some really poignant advice that's always kind of stuck with me and has been, I think, something that shaped me was, and it's so simple, but decide the person that you want to be and go be that. Because if, if all you're trying to do is be all things to all people, then, then you're not going to be anything for anyone. And I just remember, like, decide the person you want to be and go be that. Uh, that I mean, that's great advice for people, for organizations, for you know, no one's stopping you from being the person that you want to be, uh, but you got to make a decision. And so for me, that was such a, I think, an instrumental moment that even even to this day, like sticks with me. And, and I share that with, with students that I work with. I share that with organizations I get a chance to work with. And it's just this idea of embracing who it is that you really are, because when you can be that for other people, that's how they really get to know you and get to know you for everything that you are, for everything that you you want to be. And that's both positive and negative. And that's how you build you know, real human relationships is by deciding the person you want to be and just being that person. And, and the rest will start to take care of itself. And I think for me, that was such a, a pivotal moment in, in my development as a, as a man and as a person. Okay, so I want to take that nugget and I want to tie it back to our earlier conversation. It makes sense in my head. Let's see if I can take us there. So first of all, Tim, shout out to Tim. Tim, Tim crushing it with a life advice. Decide the, decide the person you want to be and go be that. Like to me, that is, that is speaking directly to this idea of authenticity, right? Certainly an idea that a lot of people talk about, us included at the Social Excellence Project. We're, we're not shy about talking about the, the importance and the power of living an authentic life. Decide the person you want to be and go be that. Uh, in other words, like make a decision about who you are and then be authentically that, right? Right. So so I, w- I want to tie that back to an earlier conversation. I want to tie that back to sort of Southern culture, maybe even bring up the, the, the phrase Southern charm, because I'm going to be a little honest and maybe no offense, you know, everybody in the Southern half of the country, but like there's a part of me, not from the South, who sometimes encounters Southern charm and finds it to be potentially inauthentic, potentially like surface level, like, like, let me be real polite to you and bless your hearts and all that stuff. Right. And to me, there's almost like this, this conflict between or potential conflict between authenticity, between your point about decide the person you want to be and go be that <laughs> and doing that within sort of the, the standard operating procedure of folks from the South. 
Is that, first of all, that might be a bit harsh. I don't know. That's probably ignorant. I'll name that. Have you encountered that? Does that even make sense to you? The rub that you're describing is a word in the South we like to use called manners, (laughs) Matthew. We got manners, bro. We got manners. We got manners. And you can you can be the you can be the person that you want to be, all you want to do, as long as you're doing it in a polite mm. way. And I think so much. And joking aside, I, I do think that that's manners are great. Teach your kids manners. Mind your manners. Keep your elbows off the table. All of that is true and is good life advice. But I do agree with you that sometimes there is a a go along to get along mentality. And I don't think it's purposefully taught, but I think that it becomes a uh, part of what young men and young women are expected. Uh, you know, this is the way things are to a degree and you can be yourself so long as you fit into everything else going on. Right. And, and so it's, it, it is at times a bit inauthentic, but sometimes I think it exists as a, as a way to, I don't know, preserve the status quo and and not ruffle feathers, if you will. And so I I agree with you. And that's my, I guess my, on the surface level of being able to maybe explain that a little bit and where that comes from. Mm. First of all, in defense of manners, right? Like I'm I'm a a, a fan of manners. I'm a fan of, uh, of, for that matter, chivalry, right? Like I I think, yeah, I think there's, there's no reason to, to poo poo manners, but if we frame sort of mind your manners as a, a way to make it easier to connect, right? Like how can I, how can I remove barriers? Because what I really care about is actual meaningful human connection. Well, one way is to ensure that I, that I sort of obey social constructs. Yeah. But there are moments, there gotta be moments from your childhood, from your past, from you growing up in Alabama, when you chose to, destroy those social constructs to disobey those rules. And it still was okay when you didn't mind your manners. Is there a, is that true? I, d- I didn't set you up for that story, but I, I wonder if anything comes to mind. I, I think there's a, a, a real tie to like not minding your manners and really any social change that happened in the South. <laughs> um, and so, you know, as for personal stories, I'll certainly try and find one off the top of my head, but I think, there's just so much of like manners and politeness is rooted in this, this like distinct care for other people. And so I think sometimes where folks from the South go awry is that we would, we would rather sacrifice on behalf of somebody else, even if it meant it wasn't going to help us in the long run. And that is, there's something so beautiful about that. But at the same time, you know, it can be dangerous and it can be taken advantage of and it can be exploited in a way that that uses people's values against them. And that's just something that I think makes the South so beautiful. Like this is a a funny story, but I find that when I get off of an an airplane or I'm in an airport in the I'm not talking about Atlanta, but in a, a smaller regional airport, think of Birmingham or maybe a place like Chattanooga or Jackson, Mississippi, or even New Orleans to a degree. And it's, it's so much louder than Hmm. any other airport that you're going to go into. And it's just because people are there to 
you know, they make small talk and they're, where are you going? Oh, what you doing? And it's so funny. My wife who was raised in Richmond, she talks about when we're in Alabama, it's just so much more louder on airplanes going, flying into Montgomery or flying into, you know, Birmingham or what have you. And it's because, you know, people are just naturally curious about who you are, where you're from and where you're going and why you're doing that. And it's seen as nosy, but I think it's all rooted in this I want to help you have a better experience on this airplane. And so let me just ask you some questions about yourself. And that small talk oftentimes leads to leads to all kind of other stuff too. So that's a, we, we got a long way away from times where I didn't mind my manners, but that's some more insight into, into where I think a lot of the, the conversation around Southern culture comes from. Yeah. Well, that, uh, that maybe overly chatty, overly polite, Right. Like the old couple who never flies, who sits next to me on my flight, you know, from some regional airport in the south to to Atlanta or wherever I'm flying. Like, you know, they're going to start a conversation. You know, they're going to be uber polite. It is a highly predictable experience. And it's it's wonderful. And like there's there's one part of me who's like business traveler robot man who like leave me alone. Put my let me put my headphones in. There's another part of me who's like. Why am I hating on that? Why am I hating on these nice old people being nice to me? Like, what's what's my problem there, right? Like, what? Why is that not the norm? Why is that? Right. Why why are they the story that I can tell? That's uh, perhaps an important lesson to take from that. Is I, I want to be like yeah. that older couple. Yeah, you won't you won't find a better group of people that do the the first few steps of social excellence better than people from the south. They can get somebody talking about something that they're interested in uh, very, very quickly. The ability to find common ground is just so uniquely tied to, to being Southern. But at the same time, so many of the issues that the South deals with is not being able to find common ground. And so there's just like a delicious irony in there somewhere. And it's uh, it's a special place. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that, well for me, that, uh, you know, that's not about the South. It's about a lot of places, right? That's about a lot of people that, that we can, we can find we can find something. I think Southerners are maybe a little more advanced at the at the first part of like finding the connection, finding the commonality. Right? Uh, here's something we have in common. Let's talk about football. Cool. What football team? Great. Let's talk about football, and and we can stay there. Right? That's nice and easy. But to go to the second, third, and fourth levels where the where the big stuff is, and this isn't this isn't just about the South. This is about everybody. Like that's where I want to go. That's where I want to live. I want to live in level three and four. I want to get there as fast as possible. And I know never, not everybody does. I know not everybody is comfortable with that right away, but I feel like you're, you're good at that, Alex. You're our conversations. We've been able to, we've been able to move beyond the surface quickly. You're funny and you're playful and you can make jokes and you can, you can make a crowd laugh, but you can also just as quickly sit down and like dig deep with people. And anybody who listens to this podcast knows that that's, that's kind of the only thing I'm about, right? Like I want to get to level three and four as fast as I can. I think there's something, there's freedom in that and getting deeper and not, you know, if there's one thing folks from the South like to talk about more than football, it's other people. Mm. Gosh, we love gossip. Mm. My grandmother goes and gets her hair done every Friday morning and she will know about who's doing what and has what going on. She will have a better sense of what's going on in the community than probably a police officer that patrols the streets. And that's something that I find so, so interesting because there's a, there's a real freedom in sharing and getting to the, you know, like you said, the level three and four. And I'm curious if you feel the, if you feel the same way that, that freedom when you have finally moved past, uh, oh, so we both have a beer in front of us or we both 
like football and and like you you get into why that's something that's so important or matters or you even care about it all. I'm curious if you feel the same way and why you think there's so much freedom in that authenticity of a conversation rather than the surface level. Oh, actually, I, I really love that phrase that you feel freedom once you get to those deeper levels of conversation. But I relate to that by feeling trapped by the location-based small talk or the whatever, you know, the the little stuff, right? I, I think, so I live in Colorado now. People ask, so where do you live? I say Colorado and they say, oh, do you ski? And honestly, I'm like, not really. And, but now I got to talk about it, right? Like now I'm trapped into that. Oh, you like the Broncos? I mean, like, I'm not really a football guy and I'm a baseball guy and I love the Cubs and that's what I'm passionate about. But you're not going to talk to me about that because we started with where I'm from. And there's a thousand things like that, right? Like where I just get trapped in, even if somebody asked me about like, tell me about the Cubs, like you're a big Cubs fan, you're a baseball guy, right? Like, yes, but now I'm trapped into telling you my five best Cubs stories that I've told to everybody. And that best case scenario is I walk away from this feeling like I put on a good show, but I don't walk away from this conversation feeling like I know you at all, like we're connected. I might know that you also have good Cubs stories or good baseball stories or good skiing stories, right? Like, and I feel trapped by that. But to your point, like once, once you're able to break the barrier and get past those, those, you know, I I guess surface level things, those commonalities. There is freedom. Man, that is such a good word. There is freedom because that conversation can go anywhere and you can grow to any extent and you can like your relationship become can become anything because you broke past that. But I think most people are trapped in that surface level stuff and that commonality stuff. Oh, what a fun, what a fun question, Alex. Thanks. What's the what's the trick for 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 getting out of the out of the trap? Because I agree, so many, and I would venture to guess that a, a number of folks that are listening to this feel the same way. And so the the natural next question is: Okay, if we all agree that we feel trapped, you know, just talking about, and it's not just surface level. It's not just oh, you know, how about the flight attendant that both gave us pretzels? Like mm-hmm. that's cool, but like okay, cool, you you do share and you kind of open the door a little bit, and oh, okay, like. You know, you share a couple of things, even if it might be surface level. And, and so it's, it's like you find yourself, you open a door and behind that door are more doors and any of those doors could be a trap and, and maybe only a couple of them, you know, give you the, the sweet freedom of good conversation. What's the trick to picking the right door yeah. during a conversation? Yeah. Uh, I'll tell you, this makes me think of Vince Fabra, who has taught social excellence in the past and was a, a previous guest on this podcast. I heard him once say something like this when he was giving a talk on social excellence. He said, commonality isn't connection. It's coincidence. Curiosity drives connection. And I've always loved that. And I've tried to steal it from him and use it as often as possible. But commonality isn't connection. It's coincidence, right? When we find something in common, that's not connection. That's, a, that's just a coincidence. So to answer your question, the key is to lean in to curiosity. I don't, I don't know the trick to finding the right door that, that isn't just a trap door <laughs> behind it, but I don't know. I don't know the trick to finding the right one, except to be persistently curious to be, this phrase doesn't sound like anything in the context of this, of this conversation, but I often just, the, the phrase that sticks in my mind is, can I go one level deeper uh, with every conversation I have, like with it, whether it's with a, uh, a client I'm trying to sell something to, or whether it's with, uh, you know, my, my kids or my wife or a neighbor, you know, dropping the kids off at school and making neighborhood chit chat. 
Can I go one level deeper? And I think that that adds up over time, right? Certainly we can go one level deeper with the person we're sitting next to in an airplane that we may never see again. But if, if it's, if it's my dad that I'm trying to go one level deeper with, like every time I see him, I'm trying to just go one level deeper in our relationship and our connection. And the only way to get there is to just be curious, right? To ask more and better questions, to keep saying things like, tell me more. And can you explain that to me? And I want to know the rest. I want to know the full story. And I want to know the lesson you have to teach me. And I want to know, like, so what do you think? What's your opinion? Really? Is that what you really think I should do? What, what would you do next? Like, can you keep asking questions that dig deeper and dig deeper and deeper? And at the very least, keep in your mind this idea of, can I go one level deeper? You know, for me, maybe that's the tie it back to Southern charm and manners and politeness. And is there is there a spot to go one level deeper? Next time I find myself in gossip, whether I'm in the the seat in the in the beauty shop in some southern town, or I'm I'm wherever the heck else, <laughs> else I am. Like, can I go one level deeper when the gossip starts? Can I say why is that important to you, or what? Like, why should I care about that, <laughs> or, or why? Yeah. Or what do you? Yeah, but what do you? What do you appreciate about that person, or you know what I mean? Like, what's the what's the thing that allows me to turn that moment into something that matters, not something that that we even potentially regret later on. Yeah, you know, curiosity a lot of times as it relates to conversation, you can really start to draw that out of people with silence. Mm. I've slowly learned the the power of a well-placed hmm after somebody makes a point and often you just keep looking or seem like you're pondering whatever it is that they're saying and, and they'll go on and keep explaining more about about why that is and I think it's especially for in a dating sense, you know, on times where, you know, when you really had that first great conversation with, you know, with your wife or uh, with a partner or whoever. And I think a lot of times it's you realized it was when you shut the heck up mm-hmm. and just listen to the other person kind of pour their heart out rather than it being conversation tennis. So, yeah, I feel the same way. Yeah, that's cool. This is a, this has been a fun conversation. There are, you know, we've got a list of like 10 other things that we maybe would talk about, but I like, I like what we talked about and I wouldn't be surprised if you and I got together again for another one of these podcast episodes. I think about the power of the things that we choose to make our identity, you know, our, our geographical, where we grew up, where we live, where we're from. The answer to that question becomes so much a part of so many people's identity for, for better or worse. But I think that's worth exploring and honoring, right? Like when we're trying to connect with people, we're trying to connect with who they believe they are, who they believe they really are. And some of that, maybe a lot of that comes from where we came from and how we were brought up and all the stuff that goes around that. So thanks for having that conversation with me, Alex. No, thank you. I I appreciate it. It's just, it ultimately boils back down. And I've heard this on your podcast before, but it, it boils back down to choosing to go a level deeper, mm. as you put it. And it's every every moment, every interaction is a choice. And it doesn't mean that the 15-minute conversation you might have on an airplane is going to lead to some great breakthrough for humanity. But what it might mean is that's what that person needed in that moment, is a small 15-minute conversation about them as a person. And I feel like so many instances that we have to connect and leave people feeling understood and heard just passes by because we we often make the choice to just stay where it's comfortable and and so I agree I appreciate the 
the time and the conversation we've had so far today. Hey, if, uh, if people want to find you on social media, where can they find you? And what will they find there? What, what are the things that you post about on social media? Oh, man. Uh, so this might lead us into uh, part two of the podcast. So we might have to tease this one. <laughs> if you if you follow me on social media, you can find me on pretty much Instagram and Twitter at Alex T. Sigma Nu. You can find me on Facebook if that's where you want to find me. Uh, good luck. My name is Alex Taylor. I have two first names. You, you might never find me. You can find me. I'm most active on Instagram and Twitter. That's Alex T. Sigma Nu. And, and why I chose that, uh, again, funny thing about identity. Like I said, I have two first names. And so when I was trying to snag social media handles in 2009 and 2010, I was, well, what's the only thing that makes me different? And I was in the midst of college at that point in time. And so my fraternity affiliation meant a lot to me and still does. And so that became my social media handles. So even for me, identity somehow tied into social media handles. If you find me there, you're going to find all kinds of stuff from travel things to stuff about the company that Matt and I work for. Surprise, surprise. We work for the same company. But then also you're, you'll find a lot of uh, running related content. On Twitter, you're going to find a little bit of everything. I'm kind of a golf nut. Um, I talk a lot about that. I'll talk a lot about sports. I'll talk a lot about random music and mainly a lot of it goes back to running as well. So you're going to get a, a little bit of everything and you'll get some silly antics of my wife. She is kind of a hilarious person and is not super active on social media. So I take it upon myself to maybe put her her goodness and her vibes out there into the world because she is a really, really funny person that just doesn't think to put it out there herself. So I do it for her. That's awesome. And your wife, Allie, is fantastic and, uh, and a successful realtor and uh, doing good work. And Alex, this is fun. Uh, thanks, brother. Yeah, I think we could have another another episode. And by the way, this is on the list for me sometime in the future. Uh, talking about running specifically as an identity, I got a, I got a couple other people that I wouldn't mind plugging into that that same conversation. Uh, some some folks that I'm connected with, and I think again, like what are the things that we choose as our identity makers? Uh, Sigma yeah. Nu, running fraternity man. You and I work for the same company. There's a lot of things that we can we can do. Thanks for exploring the idea of being a Southerner today. Thanks, uh, thanks for just digging into this with me, brother. I appreciate it. Thank you. Hey, big thanks for listening to this episode of the People People Podcast. As always, you can find us at social-excellence.com or peoplepeoplepodcast.com. They take you to the same place. Check us out on social media. Hey, if you've liked the podcast so far, would you do me a favor? Would you would you give us some stars? You know, give us some ratings on iTunes, on Google Play, on Stitcher, wherever you get your podcast, wherever you download them. Would you would you let the people know that we're doing okay? I feel like we're trying to figure this out. This podcast thing, we're trying to trying to make it make sense. I want this podcast to be something simple, something real. I want it to be uh, an example of social excellence, and I want it to hopefully give you some insights, some thoughts to help you be more socially excellent in your everyday life, to make the choices you know you can make to build more human connection in your life and to give more human connection to the people in your life because, man, they need it. Our world is far too disconnected. Thanks to Alex Taylor for his help on this episode. Loved the conversation. Loved his questions to me. Man, what a fun, fun conversation with Alex. I hope I get to interview him again about some of the other stuff that we talked about there toward the end. As always, stay social, stay excellent, but also remember this, decide the person you want to be and go be that. Thanks, everybody.